Welcome to the DC Yoga Podcast. My name is Chris Parkinson, and uh, my guest today is DC Yoga Podcast co-host Kim Weeks. I got promoted. Oh, yes, man. exactly. Um, so uh, it's been a minute since we did the podcast, and Kim and I are recording uh, via Zoom call, um, and uh, we wanted um, to reconnect and uh, kind of make our own way back into civilization after two and a half months of, uh, of being in the wilderness, as they say. Um, so Kim, how are you? It's been like three months. I think you can just admit it. I think it's been, as I told my students last night, I think it's, it will have been technically three seasons. This happened before spring and it will, well, it'll end in late spring, but it won't, it won't end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when we, um, just to give everybody kind of a heads up, we recorded a couple episodes, Kim recorded a couple episodes uh, right before, right as this was happening. I think it was the week before everything shut down, Kim. I think um, it was. I mean, I, I had two that week. It was March something. Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was literally the week before we shut down. And I decided not to air those just because everything got so crazy mm -hmm. and I didn't have time to, um, to kind of go over them. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to release this podcast to y'all. And then uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to release those podcasts um, to sort of rewinding. Um, and then uh, Kim and I are going to get on uh, doing some new episodes for y'all. Um, I guess before we go any further, Kim, you yeah. have been doing some video stuff with Yoga Alliance that I watched. I think I watched maybe the first one. Oh, good. Um, on anxiety. That yeah, way. on anxiety. Yeah. Uh, are those still available on Yoga Alliance? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. So they're available in perpetuity, which I, every week we do it. We're in our eighth week. We're getting, we're, we continue, we're being renewed, by the way. So it's likely we're going through the end of June. So it'll be a total of like 12, uh, four, 24 episodes, but, but 12 weeks of content, part one and two of the, aspects of the body of the population or related to disease that we have like amazing scientific research on yoga about so this researcher at harvard an assistant professor of medicine there and i have been consulting basically with yoga alliance to, to have yoga alliance be the sort of kiosk for all that content and when COVID came up, we were like, whoa, we should fast track this research into the form of lives, which Yoga Alliance as an organization broadly decided to offer. And, you know, we've been analyzing the numbers and I mean, thousands of people are watching these live and they can rewatch them and are rewatching them in perpetuity on Yoga Alliance's website. It's yourya.org is where you find it all you just start clicking around and you'll find them we had the yeah i thought it, i thought it was fascinating it was one of those things yeah. that yeah. was way way overdue and sort of like totally. in a in a in a forum that's more accessible because not all of us well i should say this yeah. the only time i've been to like yoga conferences all it is is yogis talking like they don't they don't invite like scientists and they don't do that type of thing so like right. i had never really been and it's different because you just can't get a textbook that's like right. the science of yoga. I mean, there's lots of sort of textbooks that talk about right. it, but like right. seeing it in a back and forth kind of like interview yep. style, like really yep. was kind of cool to, to watch because oh, yeah. so, much of, so much of the information you can get online about yoga and the science of yoga is so dry. Um, they don't so really dry. do a whole lot to make it uh, interactive. Well, and the other thing that I think people, what, you know, the thing is I'm managing the chat. So I get, we get over a hundred questions every single session. So we wind up with like easily 30 questions that we can't, that we can't, we don't even have time to answer. So we're like building this blog thing where we're going to like try to answer all those questions. We're going out and anyone listening, you know, if you think you have like a treatise or, you know, so much if you are a master teacher and can comment on any of the categories we have on Yoga Alliance's website, we want you, we want to know because we can then be this channel through which all that information gets like, you know, kind of shared, mm -hmm. not just for Yoga Alliance members, because obviously there will be some kind of paywall at some point, but now it's free. It's free. You can replay, you can download the PDF. So I've got all these teachers who we are getting, who are like, I'm taking this straight to my like, 
you know, local hospital, straight to my local, you know, like principal or whatever, yeah. just to try to, it's what I keep saying is what now you have is language. We just talked about it yesterday on the live yesterday was on yoga and stress. Like uh, you are gaining a fluency, developing a fluency in the language of the outside world, which is measured by science, by all this other stuff that reflects what is sort of immeasurable inside of you that you feel every time you do yoga or have like a great yoga class, have that flow state experience, which, you know, you think about the, the entire flow yoga comment. I mean, it's flow. Yeah, so, totally. Anyway. So we were talking a little bit beforehand about how both of us are surviving and yes. how there's, how maybe how maybe some people might get the uh, impression that, you know, because we're we're experienced yogis, whatever the fuck that means, uh, we've been just sort of floating through this uh, crisis, um, you know, blissfully uh, on our clouds and not being affected, and, and how yeah. kind of how <laughs> so wrong yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I was telling my student, you know, I'm from the Iyengar tradition, but also from other traditions only recently, the Iyengar is like, I really finally committed to, because I, I don't think I have commitment problems at all, but it just takes me a while, you know, to really get there. And then oh, I just- Oh, sure, that's, yeah, okay, yeah. You don't have commitment problems at all, but it takes you a while to get used to something. I tell my husband, I'm like, it took me forever to marry you. And if I show up every day, that is the most, I can't, <laughs> I got nothing else. If I show up, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and that's it. <clears throat> but I was telling my students that the best summary that I can give for my, for what's happened for me in COVID is that headstand, you know, as I've learned in my time doing it for 25 years, pretty regularly, it just always makes me feel so much better because I can float a little bit. I turn my whole perspective upside down. Like standing on your head is basically a ridiculous concept, but that's what feels so good to me. And I do it for long times. I do it many times during the week. <clears throat> it's part of my practice. And in the beginning, I could barely do it. I was so unstable and I've never not been able to hold headstands, but I couldn't. I was falling all over the place. I had no stamina. And it's changed, it's why, I mean, there's so, but it's gotten so much deeper. Yeah. Like so my, my experience in it has become, because it's now this kind of, as I, we now know from science, like this nervous system like thing, my, my, my parasympathetic nervous system knows, like take me there, I need to be there. I need to be headstand for a little bit to like to get the worry away, the panic, the catastrophic thinking, the, I mean, I, the only sleep I've lost really, I will say it's helped me sleep, yoga itself sleep so well, but the sleep I've lost has been over children, the, the children and people who live alone, both. Yeah. Because uh, the loneliness. The, one of the things that I've been, um, that I recognized pretty much right away uh, mm -hmm. was my own sense of uh, frustration and fear and anxiety mm -hmm. and I, I realized from yoga that one of the yeah. hardest things to do is break a habit and that what part of what yoga is is breaking bad habits and establishing new ones so true and, and we got and usually that's like these are little things that we do and what's been so hard i think for me and you know maybe for a lot of people out there has been the total reorganization of everything everything yeah right so this is akin to someone who has you know a really bad accident and has to learn to walk again oh right? my god you, you you're you're getting up at different times you're doing laundry at different times you're brushing your teeth at different times you're eating at different times your work is over the computer if you have a job if you, um, have a job. you no longer can exercise you no longer can see friends you don't go out to the restaurants you like you don't all of those things, all wow. those things you're used to yeah. went away in the blink of an eye. And now we have to reestablish habits in this newness. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a complete mind fuck, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I recognize that right away. Mm -hmm. The thing yeah. to keep in mind is recognizing it doesn't make it easier, but when you do recognize it, mm -hmm. you can step back a little bit 
and you can see what's going on in your own mind. And this is the yoga. And when you can see what's going on, it loses its power over you. Mm -hmm. You don't feel overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. And if you do mm -hmm. feel overwhelmed, there's still that voice in the back of your head that can say, all right, you're overwhelmed. Let it pass. Yeah. Don't let it last forever. You know, I'll also say, and I don't know if people listening, you know, had the same experience, but I have been a very fitful and um, impetuous practitioner in my like life with regards specifically to pranayama because yoga asana like is, you know, it's controllable. Like you can like move your limbs or not. Like to me, it's always been like, it is not a criticism that your arm doesn't straighten completely. It's just a, fa a thing. It's just, it just, it, it doesn't, it has no more significance than anything else. It just is what it is. And so that's cool. Let me see what I, you know, but pranayama, like I just kind of have always been kind of afraid of it. It made me so anxious when I first started doing it, lying there, learning it. I was like, oh my, cause what, you know, am I doing a bad job? I like mild asthma. So that like, just, you know, the trigger is quick, all those things. But as soon as this thing became clear, I was like, pranayama is non-negotiable. And I have just like, I don't want to say like whipped myself into shape because that probably falls into some narrative that I'm really not interested anymore. But, but it's like interesting to your point about the mind and the consciousness. I wake up every morning and I sit for 30 minutes and I practice with my breath. And to your point about like being honest with yourself, like, you know, just yoga teaching you honesty. Whew, it's so interesting to sit with that truth and just go, okay, this is okay. Can I, you know, Lola? Yeah. And I, I don't know I how it's been for you that way, but whew. Well, I think, I think you put your finger on it, which is one of the things that can help in a time of chaos yeah. is discipline. Oh my God. Right. So in other words, those of us who are sort of used to like doing whatever yeah. we want, whenever we want, because we're privileged to do that. Yeah. That's the absolute worst thing that can happen when it is chaos. Yeah. Right. The, the self being able to do wake up every morning and sit for 30 minutes, just sit. Mm -hmm. That is discipline. And that helps because it creates boundaries and our yeah. brains don't, most people's brains don't work well without boundaries. I know. And that's what, did you hear about that? That like our whole experience has also been like, I was just thinking this morning, these lives that I do for yoga lines two full times in the last, like, you know, we've done, like I said, 16 presentations. I've like completely lost my train of thought. I'm looking at the zoom screen being like, I have no idea what I was meaning to say or like the point, because I feel like I'm sort of floating a lot. Like I'm just floating around in space. And that has of course helped me teaching yoga. Cause when they do Shavasana, I'm like, man, you're the only thing I used to say this all the time. And now I'm like, okay, pull that one out of the hat. That's a one that that's an instruction that used to work, you know, you know, which is, you're just a, you're just on a rock floating in space. Um, What's been interesting to me, and we can get into a little bit more about our own teaching experiences, is that oh, yeah. one of the side effects of all the gyms and all the studios closing is that we've all had to teach virtually, oh my if God. teaching at all. Yeah, right. Um, and so when you teach virtually, uh, it's not really dynamic to put your face in front of a camera and say, come in a downward facing dog. Right. So you have to, you have to actually do the class along with the students. And when I first started this two months ago, I mean, I don't think I, I, wanna, I have to say for the record though, I don't, I do it some and I don't do it. I think the flow, this is it to me, we should talk a little bit about the difference between <clears throat> what the demands on the flow yoga teachers and what will happen for them going forward. Because there's some respect, repetitive stress injury business that's for realsies going to be coming up for them versus other teachers who can like really instruct and just tell people take your legs while I go down. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I think that would be a cool thing to get back to. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I'll just address that in one way right now, which is if you're suffering repetitive stress from teaching too much yoga, yeah, you're teaching and maybe too much you're yoga. teaching it and doing it the wrong way. Well, it's true. You're right. Maybe, maybe you need to teach then in a, in a way that's totally. aggressive. Totally. Maybe you need to change your, the, the, the type of yoga you're doing. 
Maybe mm-hmm. you need to do a full push up instead of doing chaturanga all the time. I mean, well, maybe, that's maybe, not maybe, a bad point. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to not insist that your students do chaturanga three, three times a class every day. Of the no, week. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so that's a good learning experience for teachers. Yeah, It is um, amazing. And, and then the second, and what I'll say is like, I've been now doing yoga for like every other day, teaching classes, doing mm-hmm. the entire cl- class with the <clears> students. Man. And I've never, I, my, my spine has never been so strong and so bendy in my life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my yeah. shoulders, my shoulders are still really tight, you know, because I'm lifting weights the entire time, but uh-huh. my spine is super bendy. Now my revolved triangle is like phenomenal. It feels oh, I'm so happy for you. It feels amazing. And like, that's so good. So for me, like what's really saved me is I've been able to do these classes and teach them yeah. in a fundamentally, a fundamentally different way than I, I know. Totally. Me too. Like I'm actually doing all the postures, whereas before I felt not pressure, but I, I, because out of habit, I taught classes where there was one thing to the next and there was a flow to the class and I kept things moving so that people didn't lose interest. And now when it's just me and the video recorder, right? if I want to stay in warrior two for five minutes, I stay in warrior two for five minutes. There's no one there to tell me I need to do another pose. And I just sit there. Okay. So now, okay, I see. Yeah. And so what I found found myself doing was I'm going to do these classes authentically with myself. Mm -hmm. And while I'm teaching, and if I do it authentically with myself, that's going to translate on the other side of the camera. It totally, 100%. Whereas whereas if I just taught it the way that I used to teach it, it would feel totally inauthentic because I'm just assuming everybody's in a class like we used to be and we're not doing that anymore we're not like that so let me ask you a question well okay we're not when you say we're not like that what do you mean because i have a couple questions so in other words it doesn't make sense for me to teach a class through a video camera like i would teach it as if we were in a studio well yeah because what feedback are you getting well you're only only getting your own sure but not only that but like what's the use in pretending that there's that we're we're in a studio Let's not pretend we're in a studio. Let's, let's be honest and say that you're on the other side of that oh, camera. Right. I'm on this side of the camera. And the oh. only way we're going to connect is if I speak truly and, like, and, and honestly, and if you connect with that. In other words, yeah. if you can find yeah. something in what I'm teaching that makes mm-hmm. you connect with your body by yourself on the other side of that camera, then we make a connection. Because Do you I say that explicitly? You Are you that? saying that to them? Are you saying that to them? You no. should. I mean, I think it'd be beautiful if you did. And, I, and so my, and that's my question. So my question is, um, in the studio environment, because this does connect to what we'll talk about at the end of the, the time together, what was then the sort of driving purpose of these, these in-person, group-oriented... Yeah hour-long series of movements and breathing together what, what, yeah, what, so, what yeah for so for me i thought what, what i always liked about my class and the whole purpose of it was mm-hmm. was that we can come together as a group mm-hmm. and have a group experience that is not you're not able to get at any other time at any other moment in history it's a mm-hmm. unique experience the 20 of us in the same room at the same time have the same experience mm-hmm. and we're all going to experience it differently, but mm-hmm. we're in the same room at the same time. And that group, that singular unique experience, that's what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. And I've said that to my classes before, which is mm-hmm. like, Hey, there's 30 people in here. We're all mat to mat. That's the whole point. If you right. want to just practice yoga, go home and watch YouTube. I yep. said that many, many times. Yeah. The point of it is that we're in a room and we got to do this together and we yeah. can together create an energy that is impossible to do over a video camera. Yeah. So did you feel, because I, I really want to talk about my, how different my experience has been, although similar, but in these ways that because our brains are in the process of reorganizing. I mean, imagine if we could, like we will, hopefully, hopefully, neuroimaging machines are catching brains right now because we need to see the data on like what the brains look like. I mean, in one of our lives a couple of weeks ago, we showed 
like the brain, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but when you see the actual neuroimaging of like the brain on meditation versus the brain not on meditation, it is fascinating because it is right there in your face. Oh, that's a brain that's in like fear. Oh, that's a brain that's like, you know, mm -hmm. not, you know, that, that is what, what, what they call the attention state, like in the attention versus the distracted state. It's fascinating. And it's obviously all based on our, you know, evolution from being animals who I think all the time when they're not being chased or chasing, they're so fucking chill. They're just like, things are, it, and we are trying so much as a society to create that for ourselves, but we're so dumb in so many ways because we like, are like, oh, if I have a Tesla that I'm going to be, or if I like have a bunch of girlfriends or, or it just, if for me, when I like, you know, uh, OC, when I shop on Amazon, I'm like, I'll just feel so much better if I just buy some more. Just clicking. You know. Yeah. Clicking. Well, so, and so you're, you're, so your experience is a little different. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Sorry. So, so, you've been, so like, well, I've been, what we've done at, what we did at Vita is we very mm -hmm. quickly as, as, as the gyms themselves shut down, we very quickly moved to Facebook and did Facebook live classes. And we mm -hmm. formed a group, a Facebook live group of members who continue to pay their dues. And then we also provided a, a virtual membership. So the people could could actually give up their $150 a month membership mm -hmm. and just pay $50 a month just for the live classes. Like, mm -hmm. and then we also give them the option to freeze their accounts and we gave them the option to cancel, you know, without, you know, breaking their contract, no problem. What the people um, who pay $150 get versus the one who paid 50 get? Ah, uh, well, we're starting to figure that out now. We're starting to yeah. find that out now. So they're now all stars. So they get some, they get a lot of perks actually. So okay. one of the, one of the perks is that they, um, because they continue to pay during the during the whole shutdown, they now have um, uh, they now have first dibs on re reserving time in the gym. I knew it. I knew it. I, I was literally going to say that they have first dibs on the reservations for the like hermetically sealed arm and hammer workout experience. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. good for them. Yeah, there's. For all I mean, of there's, them. and they we we literally wouldn't be around without them. So I, you just took the words out of my mouth again. I was like, you know, God bless those people for like investing in fitness. Yeah. They were just like, we are gonna keep Vita going because we love Vita. Vita's a brand we value. Blah, blah. Yeah, and like I've the great thing what we did was like, so I would literally put on the camera, um, I would hit go live, and then I would teach in my living room, and. Yep. You know, there would be a little bit of like back and forth beforehand with yep. the chat and everything. Yep, yep. I remember I took one of your classes when we first stopped. Yeah. You did everything over Zoom. Yeah, Zoom. Yeah. Are you are you doing any of the classes like recording like I did? Or are you doing them all over Zoom? They're <clears throat> every one of them. A hundred percent is on Zoom now. But I was on Face. No, I was never on Facebook. I never did do Facebook. Um, I did YouTube lives um, with Yoga Works, and then I did webinars with yoga works and i'm sure everybody listening by now knows the difference between the live meetings on zoom and the webinars on zoom the webinars on zoom are are really for the format like what i do with sabir khalsa yoga the, the, this these research things you know 500 people are there and it's just too much to look at and, and it's better when they're anonymous you know because in in that kind of like cold teaching format i mean sabir is like clicking on a powerpoint slide for 30 minutes of the presentation and people, it's just fascinating how, as again, animals, we learn how to communicate with one another. We were getting like Q and A's. I'm chatting with the moderator. I'm like on my phone, you know, like ordering Amazon. If he gets to a part of the presentation, I don't do that. Don't tell anybody. I don't, don't tell them about that texting exchange we had. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm very exactly. tempted. I'm very tempted to be like, ah, I've seen this slide like seven times. I think I'm going to go like check my iMessage. So, but exactly. anyway, yeah, so there, so that's happening. So I did yoga. I did yoga teaching that way though, and with Yoga Works for a couple of weeks, and then they finally hopped onto the Zoom meeting platform, which I still don't understand. Like why that? I mean, I was I you know paranoia has been major for me during this time. I mean, not major, but like the zaps of it are really strong and a little hard for me. I was like, why would they be keeping me from the students? You know, because by that point I was like teaching everybody and I could see people. And as you know, I was giving feedback and I'm like texting, like, say, like, tell me about that. 
I can't remember what I wanted to know about your Shavasana. Your Shavasana. He said, well, we talk about that offline. What's the, what part of it? I'm, I'm curious now. What do you mean? Yeah, well, you were supported. You had a whole, you had a whole like setup underneath you. And so you were lifted. And I was just wondering why you don't just lie on the floor, like flat out. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. No, I only do that. I only do that sometimes. So that's a part of my, that's a part of, um, so I do a lot of yin yoga on my own. Um, mm -hmm. And I usually, I like to do a supported backbend. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. because like my, as a typical male in his forties, my yeah. back is starting to do yeah. that kyphosis thing. Yeah, I know. And I want to like, I want to resist that thing as much as possible. So yeah. instead of Shavasana, okay. I'll sit in that supported back bend as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. And that's why I was wondering, because when I see people who create that much support for themselves, um, especially now and see, even I'm catching myself, even in the midst of this conversation right now, I would be taking in that choice a student made um, so much differently in person. And I'll say, I know you're asking me about my Zooms and like who I've been talked for because I, you know, I have these three really discreet experiences in my own business. I've got, you know, teaching for yoga works and I've got teaching for Unity Woods. Um, but I, one thing, another thing I forgot, which it, it plays significantly into this thing I'm telling you about, like why would yoga works, you know, take so long to get us back in front of the students. I was just, I was confounded by their misunderstanding. I mean, I have no idea if they what the deal is, but it seemed like they didn't understand how connected we all felt. And so I started teaching, you know, donation classes in the same time slot in that I was, this is just like in March. I mean, looking back on it, it's like, seems like again, you know, eons ago, but in late March, I was teaching, I started teaching donation classes on Zoom uh, in place of the Yoga Works classes, because I should be clear, Yoga Works did not, we didn't teach for two weeks. So we were like off. They were unbelievably cool though. They paid us for our classes. So I have to say, even though I'm so confused by Yoga Works, they have been an absolutely upstanding business. Like just, beyond anything I would have expected, not necessarily expected, but like to be really, I would have tried to do what they did in these circumstances. And I have no idea what the other yoga studios have done. I can't imagine the, the stress of having all those subcontractors not able to make any money. All well, of lots of, I mean, from the, you know, lots of studios and lots of gym well lots of gyms at least and lots of uh, small box gyms have done it uh really really differently um, tell me places, i want to know about that well some places have um just uh for example like vita we have all our teachers are contractors so if you don't teach a class you don't get paid i mean so that's like the way it so is hardcore. you know yeah. um and but the thing of it is is the majority of our instructors Probably, I would say we've, there's probably, besides the group fitness managers, yeah. there's, there's six of us, besides us, there's probably two or three other people mm -hmm. who just make their living teaching classes and are not a personal trainer or have another job. Mm -hmm. So we didn't that that didn't have as it has certainly had an effect on people but it wasn't as major as say people who work at orange theory mm -hmm. who do that for a living and all they do is work at orange theory mm -hmm. and they teach 10 classes a week and they get mm -hmm. paid 80 dollars a class and that's their only income and orange theory goes out and says oh good luck on the unemployment mm -hmm. line mm -hmm. uh, which that, is what happened yeah. with orange theory um, you know, I had not even thought about orange theory, but, it, it, and again, you know, I have to say, the same thing. yeah, it was the same thing with flywheel. Um, they were like, good luck. And, uh, I mean, I think they paid them for like two weeks or something. Uh, and then it was after that, it was like, sorry. Um, and so, hmm. you know, there's been conflicting stories about, you know, what Equinox has done. Um, I heard from some people that they're continuing to pay all instructors. I heard from other people they're only paying some instructors. I don't know. Um, I, can I mean, only really that's what I mean. From the business owner's point of view, the amount of stress that that, oh, God, would, sure. would give I mean, me. It's, it's, it's totally stressful. And, like, you know, like, all of us need to give 
people a break, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. like this is again, what we were talking about earlier, we, we're used to a certain way of things happening. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I've actually seen Kim over the last two months, businesses going out of their way to go above and beyond. I know. What they normally do, mm-hmm. because normally businesses usually suck. And like in this time of like crisis, I've actually seen more business people stepping up yeah. than using it as an opportunity to get rid of, you know, employees or get rid of people who they don't want anymore. Yeah, so, it, it's a very interesting, yeah, yeah. And I think that really has a lot to do with <clears throat> yoga. Pardon, did I interrupt you? No, you're good. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm remembering the feedback, Chris, you gave me when we were talking about my first interview. <laughs> Kim, stop talking. Stop talking. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's so interesting, this universal um, cord that the virus has, by definition and total function, struck in awakening in people the understanding of experiences far beyond what they had previously thought to be true or real. And I keep thinking about that with regard to how we teach the yoga, which is like almost what's kept me sane during this time is to realize like before this, I spent a lot of time navigating my own fraught relationship. Uh, with respect to the AA prayer, like, what do I have control over? What do I not have control over? What can I change? What can I not? I have no idea if I speak for other yoga teachers when I say that when you have the mic for such a long period of time about truth, like perceived truth, of course, but people are coming to yoga to like de-stress so they can experience their own inner whatever. (laughs) Sometimes I don't even know if I should um, try to speak for that because who knows what it is inside. For me, it's like vastness. And as Doug Keller and I talked on the podcast, like for him, it's a lightness. For me, it's complete darkness that I'm totally comfortable with and want more and more of. I just want like vast open flow dark. <laughs> I'm like vast open flow dark. I feel like I'm like practicing yoga. And I, I've been thinking a lot about the Bhagavad Gita and how I wonder, have you heard of Yogans United? Have you heard about this? I was thinking there might, it might be worth like the show notes would be cool to have a couple links. Yogans United is a group of like 108, of course, like biggest name yoga teachers that have come together kind of loosely via David Ipsius from previously Yoga Alliance, but more notably Kripalu, um, to be an agent of like voter registration change, climate change, or kind of just like, I think it's their like 2020 play. They're just like, yogis should get together and act in order to like, whatever, you know, do yoga in the world. And it's just interesting to see like how people are like reorganizing basically to your point that there's like this yoga of action maybe. And maybe that's like how yoga gets defined more. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm so curious to see how this plays out. Like do people who taught yoga in person continue teaching online? What percentage of people do you think are no longer teaching yoga because they just chose not to teach yoga online? I don't know. I know. I I know that there are from Vita. I know that we had several instructors who basically said, you know, this whole teaching a thing online gives me anxiety. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. I myself, when I first started teaching, thought it was awful. It was you and I talked about this. Remember, we were like, it's exhausting. It's it's yeah. awful. It's horrible. So There's no feedback. Um, and that, and I felt that way for about two weeks until I got mm-hmm. used to it. Yeah. And I look back on that and I just sort of say to myself, well, you know, how egotistical is that, you know, that I'm not around to have like these 30 people worshiping me. And like, Wait, is oh that my God. 
I wrote that down in my journal. I did the same thing. I wrote down, oh my God, in my book right here, I wrote down something like, I wrote, holy shit, the feeling that I have at the end of a class and the energy that I feel, that I've been telling myself I got just from the experience yeah. was actually partly my ego. Meaning, Absolutely. Yeah. It's all ego, right? Oh my God. I, I'll, I'm going to snap that picture and send it to you because <laughs> it, like, so, I wonder... Because I'm sure I have, I mean, there's a date somewhere because I'm trying to be linear and it would be fascinating if you had, if it was like at a similar time. Because yeah, I also yeah. feel like it's, it's stretching out now, but do you not feel like the narrative was like slightly different week to week? And I wanted to say this too in terms of show notes, if this is helpful for people. A student yesterday told me there's a fascinating new like article out that's kind of starting to make the rounds about how when because like we're starting to i think are you hearing this too comparisons we're bringing back up the comparisons between the london siege and this because the duration of time is similar and the um i don't know if i'm speaking correctly when i say the number of people in london itself dying is like similar to like as a percentage of the population so like every day they just settle into the like nightly bombings the kids were out in the countryside so totally away from the parents and everybody was just like Holy shit! I hope I don't. I hope I don't die tonight. Definitely more dramatic than what we're going through. But lots of people are like, "Holy shit! I hope I don't." Did somebody just exhaled on me? Am I gonna die? I mean, people are thinking that, are they not? I think there are lots of people who are feeling that way. Yeah, and so basically, where we are apparently here, we are talking on week eleven. At the end of week eleven, we're headed into like the third, the end of the first quarter of this shit, and um, we're in this place in our psychology and therefore sociology because the boundary between psychology and sociology is like completely down right i mean here we are like we're disconnected from everybody quote physically socially but some really smart people including the former surgeon general of the united states is insisting that we call it physical distancing not social distancing because we don't want to reinforce the alienation that people are feeling because they trend toward a depressive you know sort because they come from trauma like i've been it took me weeks to realize oh back to the aa prayer i am like my i everywhere i look in my family i see an addict i can't i mean i can't it's like or suicide or like stuff it's just in my so i'm looking around like okay <laughs> i have to try to find some things that lift me up and out of this but apparently where we are right now psychology sociology is that we're in the pre-reconstruction phase which is like a highly depressive moment like you know it we're gonna get out of it we know we have this like really like you know unsteady but slightly focused gaze on where we're going but we don't know what it's gonna look like. We don't know how it's gonna feel. We don't know how we're gonna assemble. We don't have all of it. And so there's this real fear that's being awakened in people because it's like, can I do it? You know, can we, do, but not even that, just like, not even, even deeper than that, like. Sure, I'm sure yeah, you there's, know? there's a lot of, there's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of, uh, especially for people who are type A's, it's very hard to not be able to predict the future. Um, this is one of the things I tell my students in class all the time who are type A's, which yeah. is like, if you, if you use your sense of, if you use the, your, your ability to predict the future as a sense of your self-worth, you're in for a long, long life because that, 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 shit, that shit will Are never work. people in DC type A? Hold on. Yeah, exactly. I know. Jacques. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when, you know, when I, when I, one of the things I realized very quickly was that if I don't enjoy teaching yoga, I always said that I enjoyed teaching yoga whether it was one person in the class or 30. And I, yeah. felt, I felt that the reason why I could say that was because I had one person in class maybe once every three months. So mm -hmm. it was like, great, I can teach to one class, one person or 30. Now, mm -hmm. let's turn that on its head say that normally all I got was one person in my class. And then every mm -hmm. three months, I had 30 people in my class. Would mm -hmm. I still be teaching yoga? And if the answer is yes, then I'm partially lying, right? Or at least that's what it used to be. 
And so now I'm getting the real, a real sensation for it. Like, I don't know how many people are on the other side of that camera. I can, I can see views and I can see likes, but there's no, there's no feedback. I'm not getting any instantaneous gratification from seeing people in the room or if I'm being honest, from being able to touch people and interact with people and give adjustments, which I find is a very, very satisfying, I mean, I find that very, very satisfying as a teacher and I think for my students as well. Um, and I'm not getting any of that. And what I've had to do is learn to love to teach yoga in a completely different way yeah. that's reinforced the feeling that I have, which is yeah. I love to teach yoga, period. And you know, I can't be talking to the wall and teaching yoga. That's a little bit, that kind of crossed the line into like craziness. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Dwayne, and hold on a second, because I have a question about teaching to the wall, for real. You are seeing your students now, or you're not? No. You're not seeing them still. I haven't seen oh, it. I, the only thing I've done over Zoom is Pilates. I do, I do some Pilates sessions, uh, paid Pilates sessions over Zoom. Yeah. So that is fascinating. And I know, you know, you you tell me you take the lead. We can certainly just delete this out if it's not, you know, if it's not, it's going afield. But it's so interesting to hear you talk about your love of the teaching of yoga and what you're doing is letting go of that so much of the ego armor that was around you by definition when you were teaching in person as you have made the decision to just stand there and do a two minute warrior two. Yeah. I mean, it's I, really cool. I and taught I, a class. I taught a class last week, Kim, called Friday Sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was it was a two hour class. Mm-hmm. And it was like during sunset. Mm. And I did two hours. I, I said, people come and join me. And I did wow. my own personal yoga practice in front of a camera for two hours. Oh my God, Chris. And I was like, I was like, you guys do what you want to do, but like I'm gonna do some poses where I strengthen a little bit and yeah. I do some Pilates poses yeah. and some yin poses and do a lot of restorative poses. Yeah. And after this two hour class, my core is going to feel ripped. My yeah. back is going to feel strong. I'm yeah. ready for the best sleep of my life. And I wake yeah. up on Saturday morning feeling like I'm raring to go. So to you, and so to be, to put a point on it or pin on it or whatever, you are sleeping better in the pandemic. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I'm saying oh, after really? I do two hours of yoga, I am. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm not, I'm not sleeping like I used to. I really? wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks. Oh, I'm so, you know, yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was, yeah, I'm so sorry to that's hear a, that. That's a side effect of insecurity. I know. You know, and, and, I, feel, and I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel it different. I'm sure there's something with, you know, um, uh, hormones and uh, with testosterone, um, especially, that makes yeah. it so that at certain times of the day I feel very confident, and other yeah. times of the day I don't. Yes. I think it has to do with hormone levels a lot, in addition mm-hmm. to the uncertainty. You know, mm-hmm. the hormone levels are then going way up and way down instead of being balanced like they normally would if yeah. my brain was in a very stable position. So. This is the thing I was going to ask before, or just like put another note in, because it's a question I have and have wondered about very much. And I'm, again, I'm sure we'll see this in the science at some point. But, you know, it, it's, it was so interesting at the very top of the show, you talked about, you know, feeling frustration. I wrote it down because I was thinking like, to, how would I describe my set of, you know, feelings in the beginning and frustration wasn't even in the top 20. In the beginning, you know what was in the top three for me? Relief. Relief that I didn't have to go anywhere for a little while. I didn't have to leave my house. I didn't have to go. And it was like, oh my God, I get to see my kids at night because, you know, teaching yoga, you, I, oh my God, I was missing them so much, like, you know, putting them to bed because I had taken one extra class on to work for John, which if you want me to talk about Unity Woods and what they did, I'm happy to do so. That was also itself interesting, but it's, you know, top line summary is we're on Zoom mm-hmm. um, face-to-face. We're seeing them, we're correcting people in the boxes and it's just people are dying and they love it so much. And, you know, the, the classes are humongous. They're just, I can't, John overnight has like changed his whole business model. He's just raking the money in. Okay. Just like, but, but the relief that whatever we were doing out there that I was actively participating in contributing to burning fossil fuels, not, I mean, I tried to bike, 
as often as I could. As soon as it clicked in me, and this is years ago, I was like, I cannot drive to a yoga class. I have to try to bike because driving to a yoga class is like bad energy. That is karma that like I'm confusing. I'm confusing two strains. Like I don't need to burn you know, fossil fuel to go teach yoga. And, and so this, what I would, what I'm so fascinated listening to you talk about your experience and like how hormones like, you know, go through the day and like, you know, testosterone, what it, you know, like my body is changing cause I'm perimenopausal, which is not really, I mean, it's, there's not nothing to write home about just yet, but, but things are changing. And my daughter is uh, almost 11. So her body's starting to change. So here we all are like having this like amoeba experience on the inside. And I was in, you know, you talk about the restorative class that you, you do yin yoga and you were doing these poses for people and stuff. The most powerful experience I have had in the positive direction of the world was early on in the pandemic, maybe early April. And John taught a restorative class for two hours, level three now. So it was like, you know, you can't even let like, the poses were really intense into a level one. They would be like, how could these be restorative? But they, they were because they were supine and or completely still and like super, as he says, like energetic with the breath. It's all about like moving the energy, observing the energy move around the values. Of course. Like he doesn't say values, but he's you know talking about mm -hmm. the values. And I realized at the end of that class that my response as a yogi, um, yogi, never mind, that's like political. My response as a yoga practitioner, as a yoga student, I could not have ever gotten that deep. I was not able to get that deep in a restorative class anywhere outside of my own home because the amount of adrenals, adrenaline and cortisol I had to get through to get into myself in a restorative class because I had driven there, I'd gotten, I was on the oh, phone, totally. right? all that stuff was so, and so the next day I had this conversation with Susie Hurley, John and me, Susie Hurley, former owner of um, the Tacoma Park, uh, Joe Miller, why can't I remember that? I, every time? Sorry, you can no worries. I forgot the name. And again, like I'm floating. And I said to them, you know, classes can be more effective. The classes are more effective because I was thinking about, I wasn't even conscious that I was thinking about that class I'd just taken. And these two septuagenarians were like, I mean, the, the look on their faces were on Zoom was just, I wish I could have captured it because it really represented this generational difference, I think, in the yoga community right now. Maybe, maybe not, but they were like, oh my God, the fact that we can't touch you, the fact that we can't be there in the room makes no matter what, what we're doing inferior. Then I was thinking Gen Xers like us are kind of like, well, <laughs> there's advantages, disadvantages, but like, and then the millennials may not ever really think about it any other, any other way. They'll just think that online is like, at least my generation of kids, my kids, they're will go in thinking online is the norm. I don't know. Do you, what do you think about that? Do you, in terms of, cause you wanted to talk about like how we see things going. And I wonder how like, yoga happens online when so much of it is based on community and you saying you creating that community with yourself with your well, body with your practice so i would i would say first off that according to well at least according to the statistics i've seen and the one that the ones that yoga alliance produces and the one that yoga journal produces 60 uh percent -huh. before this ever happened 60 percent of people did yoga online so it's not really like a new thing right i mean and then yeah. when they do online, they mean that like the vast majority of the people that actually practice yoga watch YouTube videos. Okay. They don't actually go to they don't actually go to to studios or go to gyms. So it's something that's been happening for a long time. That's fascinating. Um, and so I I I I agree with you. I think there that perception of people like us who have been sort of in the in person business for a long time, or yeah, sort of right. this as well, this is going to be this big change when in fact it's already changed. <laughs> We're just right? catching up with the change that was already happening. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's a part of it. And I that's think so the other cool. thing is, I think <laughs> the other thing is, is that those people who start watching with a video on YouTube or start watching with a, a DVD or whatever it was, ultimately they always then, once they feel comfortable, go to a studio. Yeah. And I don't think that's ever going to stop. In other words, yeah. people are always going to want to do the in-person thing because they want to be part of an experience. 
Yeah, we talked about this like week yeah. two or something, right? Yeah. And so I think people people are always going to want that experience. And the question is, and we don't really have time for it because we gotta we gotta we gotta wrap up. But, I know. But I think one of the interesting things is going to be that we're going to see is whether or not studios can weather this time, and on my own mind, whether or not studios can operate at half capacity. I know. And whether or not studios can keep going because in my own mind, and one of the things people are saying is, is that these shutdowns are going to start to become a thing. Yeah. And if studios can only open yeah. for four months and then have to shut down for two months and then open for yeah. four months, like that's right. not a sustainable business model for an in-person right. studio. Yeah. So that's what I'm really worried about. And I kind of hate to leave like, hate to leave it on that lingering question, but, but, th but that's sort of the point is that, it is. It absolutely. Our entire, our, our entire talk is that yeah. you and I, we can't prognosticate about that. Like there's oh, yeah. nothing in our experience that yeah. makes us experts in trying to say what's going to happen. And we're all kind about, of going through this together, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Wait, I know. Didn't you tell me not to? Did I just prognosticate? No, I no, 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 no. I said yeah. we, we could do a little prognosticating. Just a, just There's a, a smidge, yes. Well, you want to have the opinions and people can be like, that's a bunch of bullshit. You know, I'm going to log in <laughs> next time to see what, what other bullshit they have to say. Or they'll love what we say and hopefully, and, but also don't we want to have, we want conversation too. I'd love to know what people think. I'm so, yeah. I'm just, yeah, so anyway. All right, so let's wrap it up for today, Kim. And maybe we can we'll we'll do a, maybe we'll do a part two next week. Or the yeah, week after. I'm so down. I love talking to you. It's great. This could be a great format, and hopefully, it'll bring you know community and conversation around you know the DC yoga scene. Because even as you were talking about like the shutdowns, opening, closing, blah, 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 you know, as I keep telling my students, there's not going to be for a until the vaccine. There's not going to be anything other than like distancing yoga. So like six feet apart and, and that we didn't even talk about touch and how we don't get to touch people. I, I cried about that the other day. I was like, I can't even, Oh my God, I can't physically adjust. No, no, no. Can't, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overstepping, but I, I'm such a huge part of, you said it too, right? The way. You, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so a huge part of what I do. Oh my God. And so, so I was thinking like now yoga studio owners and everybody in everybody is thinking about what is the yoga community? That's the point. I'm like, what's the community you're creating in person is maybe what I'm saying more specifically. So talking about that next time would take up an hour. Well, we can, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kim, thank you so much for joining it's us. It's so good talking to you. All right, listening to the DC Yoga podcast. We'll uh, we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with uh, with the episodes that Kim recorded, and I uh, hope you're all doing well. Hopefully, you're all staying safe, and uh, take care, everyone.